This is Wellness 101, brought to you by the Institute of Natural Health, your home for common sense science-based health care. Here's your host, Dr. T.J. Williams. And welcome to the show, everyone. I'm your host, Dr. T.J. With me, as always, is Aaron. Hi. So today on the show, we're just jumping right in. This is another one of those topics that we we get lots of questions of uh, at the clinic. And most of the time, the question starts with, do you treat kids? <laughs> do you help kids? Is there anything you can do for kids? I have a sick kid, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the answer is always yes. Um, we, do, we do help kids. Um, in fact, I actually like taking care of kids. Kids tend to respond faster to things than adults do. But we, with, with the kids, it's a, it's a very interesting um, component in the clinic. And I say that because kids, the kids are coming in with a wide variety of problems, just like the adults. And we are seeing a wide variety of problems in these kids. Not only are they coming, you know, some kids may come in for skin issues, some kids may come in for, you know, weight issues, some kids may come in because they've got, you know, food problems or their digestive system is all messed up or they're, they, you know, they have really high levels of anxiety, their parents are worried about the fact that, you know, they, they seem to have high levels of anxiety. Um, and so, you know, a lot of this, ultimately, when it, when it comes down to it, is it, it, it falls on food. And today we're going to talk about food. We're going to talk a little bit about what we do with with our kids um, because I think, you know, people don't realize um, what we actually do. Um, We're going to get into that more in detail. But one of the things that I've noticed, and I think anyone with any kind of observational skills whatsoever, is noticing that kids, like adults, are sicker and sicker and sicker. The obesity levels in kids is a problem. Go ahead. Well, I mean, I don't necessarily know. I mean, when I'm looking at kids, I don't look at them and think, oh, they're way sicker than before. Um, I do see what you're saying, though. Um, I I do. And I look at them that way because I see more and more kids being overweight. And I know that, and if you listen to this show or a longtime listener to this show, you know people that are overweight cannot be healthy. Healthy people are typically not overweight. Yeah. That's just the way it is. And so knowing that these that these kids are overweight, and, and the statistics are this. See, the, according to the CDC, almost 20% of kids from ages 2 to 19 are obese. Obese. We're not just talking about overweight here. We're talking about classified as obese. I mean, I can think back to when I was a kid. No one in my school, there was maybe one or two kids in my entire school. Now, granted, I went to a small school, but it's still representative of the, of the greater whole. No one was overweight. No one was obese. And the kids that were, were larger when I was in school, they were not obese. They were just overweight. Right. No, I mean, same with mine. We had one girl in my class who was larger, and um, it, it stood out. I mean, and um, just because it wasn't the norm. And now when you see kids... Um, I don't know that I, I personally see a lot of them that are obese, but I do see a lot of them that are overweight. Right. And, and the same here. I, I, I'm 
I see some that are obese because they, they come into the clinic. They're, the parents are looking for help with their kids because they're not getting help anywhere else. They're trying to do what they think is the right thing. But, I mean, the, the issue here is that it's a problem. Yeah. And it's a growing problem. And, like, why is it a problem? Well, there, there are a lot of factors to this. We're going to focus on we're going to we're going to focus on one. We're going to talk about a couple. Um, but the, the list is the list is long. Don't don't get me wrong here. But the the biggest factor is that food is huge. The food that our kids are eating, the amount of food that our kids are eating, what our the food is that our kids are eating is all huge. We're going to come back to that in just a second. And another factor, not to downplay the food by any means, but another factor is there is way less activity in our children today than when I was growing up. I, 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 I'm not that old, but at the same time, things yeah. have... <laughs> that, that cut me deep right there. Yeah. That cut me real deep. Uh, I'm right there with you. <laughs> but the, the thing is, like, the, the kids were, are way more sedentary today. There's there's a lot more gaming going on. Kids are staying home, staying inside, playing you know their Playstations and Xbox and playing on their computers. They're they're using more screen time. There's more computer time. There's more tablet time. There's more smartphone time. We're just we're transitioning away from activity. When I was a kid, I was outside all the time, and I grew up with Nintendo. The yeah, back the basic or original Atari. Nintendo or the Atari. Yeah, yeah, we had an Atari too. Um, like, but I mean, you know, yeah, I think the point is that we didn't have a lot of these options, right? I mean, I was at the very beginning stages of computer, so you know, we had um, some very basic computer programs, but um, it, you know, I mean, it wasn't the options, you know, the amount of things that kids have today, and so we didn't have any other way to occupy ourselves. You know, I mean, and rather than play, other than play. Right. And so that's what we did. Um, and so, you know, and some of this uh, I get is, you know, different, you know, depending, you know, definitely during like quarantine, things were different. You know, you're not you're less likely to uh, go outside and play with other kids anyway. But um, but it that certainly does have an impact, the amount of you know, physical activity, but just like with well, adults, how you can't unri- un- outrun a bad diet, same with kids. Like, right. doesn't matter how um, much activity they're getting, if they're eating poorly, their health is not going to be where it should be. Which brings us right back to foods. The, the, the biggest driver here with this, you know, obesity and overweight epidemic that's going on in children is what the kids are eating. There are more foods that are that are super processed, completely full of sugars, devoid of actually any nutrients whatsoever. They have very few vitamins and minerals in the foods, and the ones that are there have been added to the food. The food has been fortified. How can you tell if vitamins have been added to something? Look on the label, it will say fortified with. Like like that's like they're they're adding something that's making this so much better. They're not I'm sorry, the food industry is not. They're they're fortifying things with super poor quality nutrients. I mean, you can't add calcium carbonate to a product and say fortified with calcium. I mean, technically you can, but you're not giving, that's not a quality form of calcium that's actually going to do much good in the human body, right? So the, the products, are they're low quality, and they're in the wrong form for our body to actually 
get much benefit from it. I mean, if you're super healthy, you might be able to convert some of these forms of vitamins into usable forms. But for the most part, the kids that are overweight and sick, they're having trouble processing simple things like proteins and fats. I mean, you throw something complex that's difficult to absorb like a mineral at them and give that mineral in the form in a form that they can't do anything with, they're not going to do anything with that. It's just going to go right on through, right? We just don't get a lot of proper nutrition. Then that takes us to, well, whose responsibility is it to make sure that our kids are getting proper nutrition? And lucky you, parents, it falls on you, right? We're responsible for what our kids eat. We're responsible for what's in the house. We're responsible for what they consume. We're responsible for watching out for them. That's one of the main roles of parenting, right, is to make sure your kid grows up healthy and giving them all of the tools that they need to be the healthiest them possible, right? So it's it's really what you provide them and what you have in the house. Now, there's lots and lots of advertising that goes on targeting, you know, from the food industry targeting children. I mean, let's look at, just for example, bear with me for just a second. Let's look at the breakfast cereals that are marketed to children. They have cartoon characters. They have, you know, they're highly filled with sugars, right? We have, you know, I'm not going to name any products by by specific name by any means, but we have things that have marshmallows in them. We have sugar-coated things. Right. Well, and I and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you no, off. That's okay. But I think that that is definitely an issue. But it's those aren't the things that are so much um, where it's confusing for parents. It's the things that seem like maybe they might be nutritious that aren't. You know, what I always tell parents that ask, um, you know, I talk to a lot of mothers about, um, you know, because they're like, how do you have, or how are your kids such good eaters? And one of the things that I always suggest is if something is marketed to kids or parents, don't you don't want it like right correct because the healthy food doesn't need marketing doesn't have marketing so if it's something that i don't care if it says it's the most nutritious thing you could possibly use i'd stay away from it that's just a good rule of thumb um because it i mean i have never seen i can't think of anything off the top of my head that is marketed to kids or parents you know to feed kids that is healthy I mean, can you? Well, kind of. Nowadays, I do, um, because we're starting to get into this age of social media marketing and some of these smaller companies that didn't have budgets to be able to market good things. I guess that's true. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, there are there are organic meat companies out there that are like, look, we can deliver this stuff, organic foods and, and vegetables as well. We can deliver these things straight to your door, and now we can target you. We're not trying to take out a multi-million dollar ad campaign going across the country to target everybody. We can do it by region and specifically target people who are looking for healthier options. Right. But I think the meat is one that's mostly for um, adults. We also do, now that you say that, we see some of these companies that are specifically for kids saying, hey, yes. you know, we're prepackaged, but we use organic, you know, locally sourced uh, right. veg- fruits and vegetables. So I do think, you know, that... We do see more of that, so you're right. Yeah. So when we come back, we got to take a break. When we come back, 
We are going to talk about the question that I get all the time. What do you feed your kids? And so we're just going to lay it out there, what we give our kids. And for some of you, it's going to be a bit of a shock. You're listening to Wellness 101. Welcome back to the show, everyone. If you're just tuning in today to Wellness 101, we are talking about children. We're actually talking about feeding our kids. We talked about in the first segment, we talked about um, obesity in children is, is, is a big problem with, with 20% of, uh, almost 20% of children ages 2 to 19 being obese. And we're talking about one of the biggest reasons for that is food. And when we, when we left... Uh, right before the break, I said that when we came back, I would talk about what we feed our kids. This conversation comes up so frequently in consultations that I have, whether whether I'm actually talking about with a parent about their child or if I'm just talking about the parent in general, because, you know, sometimes parents need to change their diets too. People come in with all kinds of conditions and and we, we're talking about dietary changes, and, and then, you know, I explain what we eat, and then I say, you know, look, this is what my kid eats. And so we're going to talk for a little while about what our kids eat. And a lot of this, I'm going to talk about what my son eats. Um, currently, my son is two and a half um, because he's actually eating more foods than my daughter. My daughter's a little over one. Well, and she eats a lot, but, you know, we were talking about this when we were prepping for the show. Really, I think the issue with you have a one-year-old, if you've got a picky one-year-old, you really need to reconsider what you're doing because at, uh, you know, a year old, both of our kids were so easy to to feed. I mean, if you haven't given them anything but, you know, fruits, vegetables, meat, um, they don't know any different. So that's what they eat. I mean, we literally can give our daughter anything and she'll eat it. Um, She just, it's not, um, you know, we have not tried liver with her. We did try liver with Lincoln. That was the one thing that uh, we tried to make our own liver puree. He didn't Um, like it. He didn't like it. Um, But that was the only thing, you know, that we had trouble getting him to eat. Um, But I do think, you know, as they get older, anyone who's been through the toddler stage with kids, um, they get pickier. Yeah. And so when when I said before, you know that it's kind of shocking to parents um, or people in general when I tell them what I what I you know what we feed our kids. I, I can tell that they're not prepared for the answer by the look on their face, and then the typical response is really, "How do you get your kid to eat that?" And I, I mean, it, it, we we decided as we were having these kids that this was the line in the sand we were going to draw we were going to prepare our kids to be healthy eaters if it was the last thing that we did and so i mean a lot of uh, another question that comes is how do you have time well we all have time for the things that we make a priority in our lives and one of the biggest priorities in our lives is what our kids eat and i spend a lot of time prepping meals making meals. Aaron figures out things that we're going to try next. Um, and 
we we are just constantly it's a constantly evolving thing like i spend most sundays prepping and cooking food for the week for my kids i mean you should see our fridge it's packed with food and by the time we get to you know friday and saturday it's empty like our kids just eat well Right. We always keep some things on hand that are easy. You know, if we end up um, going through everything that we can cook, we always, uh, you know, try to make a little extra. Um, you know, a lot of times we'll freeze. Like we'll make, yep. you know, we'll steam vegetables and we'll throw a little uh, baggie in the freezer so that later on, you know, if we ever have a week where they just go through more food, we can easily thaw them um or, them out. or I have a late night Wednesday night or Thursday night fixing yeah. food again. I mean, like, it happens. That's that's what we do. But one of the biggest things is our kids eat a, about 99% organic. Um, they eat 100% non-GMO. We make sure that, that at least the food that they're eating is non-GMO. There are some things. We live in the Midwest. It is a little difficult. Um, so, as, yeah, occasionally we just make an exception. Yeah, um, we make an exception, and it's mostly because, you know, my son wants something in particular, and I'm like, okay, well, I I don't, I can't get that quickly, and so I can go to the store and I can get a non-GMO version of that. Um, I can't necessarily get an organic version, but they, that's, they eat that, and then I think the only sugar that they actually get in their diet is from the fruits that they eat. We don't give them anything with sugar in it. No, and I will say we do make an exception um, just recently because we are going through potty training with our son, and yep. so um, he will get a treat, you know, if he goes on the potty right now. Yeah, we, and have, we have some organic fruit snacks that we, <laughs> that we will he, give him. Um, which are a huge— he gets, he gets one. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know if they've added sugar, but they have. That, they, that are, may. they are definitely sh- more sugary than— um, than you know anything else we ever give him but they work because um you know he doesn't normally get that kind of stuff and we're you know i don't know so that was an exception that we made because we needed some sort of treat to kind of get the ball rolling right and so like here's i i just wrote out some things that my son eats that a lot of people are baffled that a two and a half year old will eat my son eats steak he will eat it medium even medium rare um my son eats pork chops, bacon, ribs, pork shoulder, turkey. Um, he's had lamb. Uh, what else has he eaten? I don't know, but you're just talking meat. Meat is a small portion. I mean, he eats a this ton is, of vegetables. This is huge, though, because most kids don't eat any protein. It's a massive thing because when I listen to parents, they they're eat like, vegetables? No, no, they don't. Like, that's just meat. Now, pick a vegetable. Our son will eat it. Right. It doesn't matter I mean, what it is. I can't, if you pick it, he will eat it. He will eat jicama, for crying out loud. I don't know a kid that will eat jicama. I, uh, I'm just amazed how many parents I talk to that say, other than tomato sauce or ketchup, my kid doesn't get vegetables. Yeah. And that's shocking to me um, because it's always been a huge staple. It's always in the biggest part of our kid's diet. Well, and, and another piece of this puzzle is we we include him in the making of the meals. Like it's funny, he Aaron will make scrambled eggs with him and 
it's it's fun to watch him. He will crack the egg. He will sh- he will split that egg. He will put it in the in the little cup so we make because we it, there's going to be a little bit of shell that gets in there because he's two, right? And Aaron's helping him along the way, but he's involved. And then he's standing there watching on his little stand that we have while we make the eggs. Like he loves to be involved. I take him with me to the grocery store. We go through and we play. What is this? What is this? What is this? And just to hear him name off things, like he's starting to recognize different types of meat just by looking at it raw. Right. Well, and I also think it's important that we do give him options. So, like, we uh, we are never in a situation, you know, when TJ says, well, we prep a ton of food on the weekends, that's because at any given meal, he has a number of options that he's allowed, you know, that he can choose from. I think that it gets difficult when you're like, here, this is what I'm setting in front of you, because kids, just like adults, are going to have times where that just doesn't sound good right now. And, and many times he will, he will say, oh, I want... I don't know, pomegranates. And so we'll give him some pomegranates. He may take two bites and say, I don't want this. Can I have this? And he will go through a list of things, eating a couple of bites of things, and then finally he'll find something and he'll eat all that we have. And uh, and we also normally, um, things that, you know, I talked about keeping things in the freezer. We usually keep um, some... A frozen vegetable soup made with either ground beef or ground turkey that's in there because that's always kind of a backup that like if for some reason just nothing you know meat and vegetables is not sounding good to him during the day you know we always have that as a backup that will um you know thaw the frozen vegetable soup and he can have some of that um because that usually tends to go over well um but you've got to have those backup plans because it i think they're going to have times where it just, you know, what you planned on them eating at that meal just isn't going to go in and you can't force a kid to eat. And, and, and another thing that I think is important is like just because your kid doesn't eat very much t- doesn't mean that they didn't get enough food. Like we deal with this some yeah. where Lincoln just doesn't eat a lot for a particular meal. Okay. You know what? No big deal. But the next meal or two meals later, he may eat for an hour, hour and a half. He may just sit there and continually eat. And you wonder where in the world is he putting it? Yeah, and he may have a full day. We've had a full day where he's barely eaten anything. You know, but his weight has been steady. He's, you know, he's still the growth, you know, his growth rate has been great. So um, unless you see some issue with, um, you know, your how much they're growing and progressing there's not really any reason but i think that's where parents get into an issue is if their kid slows down or doesn't want to eat at one meal they're like well they've got to eat something and if we gave lincoln a cupcake or two he'd eat no problem even when he says he's not hungry we just don't let that be an option you know same thing with like chicken nuggets or mac and cheese like i'm sure he'd eat it but we just you know we're not going to – we give him a bunch of options, but they're all healthy options. He doesn't want any of that, then okay. Yeah. Then he doesn't eat much that meal. All right. got to take another break. When we come back, I want to touch on some of the things that we definitely do not give our kids. You're listening to Wellness 101.
and welcome back to the show, everyone. Today we are talking about um, kids. We're talking about we, we've kind of shifted a little bit. We started talking about you know how kids are unhealthy, kids are obese, and we've kind of turned it into a you know how we have grown a couple of kids that eat very well, that eat very healthy, and you know things that you can do. Um, you know, what we feed our kid, things that you can do to, you know, have, make sure that you have a healthy eater as a child. Um, and then, you know, this translates to adulthood. I mean, this is stuff, what you're doing to, with your children at a young age will stay with them for their life. Like you build healthy eating patterns at home and healthy eating habits at a young age. Right. And I mean, I, I don't know if we want to get into all this now, but like I have so much to say about that because I think that I just like, I mean, and certainly nothing in this show is supposed to be, you know, shaming at all. It's supposed to be helpful um, because we all, you know, we all have to make the decisions what's best for our kid and what, you know, we're able to um, spend the time doing. And we all have varying um, amounts of time. You know, TJ talked about the fact that for us, food was very important um, because with the clinic, and just also in, you know, in our everyday lives, we see people who have been so badly affected by poor food choices. Yes. And I personally believe, and I don't know, TJ, if you feel this way, um, you know, my mom made dinner every night. I mean, so I was not someone who was eating, um, you know, did not have home cooked meals. But now looking back, they weren't nutritious. I mean, yeah. they weren't terrible. I mean, we'd have a meat and a vegetable, usually green beans or corn. I mean, we had a standard Midwest diet, you know. I mean, but it was cooked. I mean, so she was, you know, definitely. It, it wasn't full of all the salt and preservatives. And, and we and didn't junk. have the GMOs and stuff back then, you Correct. know, back when I was a kid. But, um, but now in hindsight, um, if... You know, and I and also I was allowed to have, um, you know, we had a lot of frozen pizza and, you know, stuff like for lunches during the summers, um, you know, and ice cream and, you know, whatever snacks we wanted. Um, now, did I love that as a kid? Yeah. But in hindsight, would I rather now not have cravings for those things and have a better foundation set up? Yeah. I mean, like we didn't know any better and my parents did it out of love. But I also think that, um, you know, and I just say that because while we're certainly not doing this to be shaming, I feel like I get a lot of pushback from mothers who are like, how dare you, um, you know, like hurt your child that way by not letting them have any treats? Like what kind of mother does that? That's not hurting a child by not giving them. Not giving them sugar is way worse for them than not giving them sugar. I will put my foot down 100% of the time. There are way more studies that prove over and over and over again the problems that we have in our healthcare system, in our food supply, in our sickness and disease is rooted in the fact that we have we consume so much more sugar nowadays than we ever did. And moderation and all this bull butter terminology that's out there, moderation is crap because moderation leads to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. Oh, you give in one time, now you give in another. I think that's bull butter. I put my foot down and say, well, that's just not true. The research clearly shows that the more sugar you consume, the sicker you are as a person, period. Cut and dried. It's not really any other way according to the research now. 20 years from now, maybe completely different. We may have different research that says different things. I may change my tune on that. But right now, I know that the more sugar 
longer someone eats, the sicker they are. I can show it to them in their blood labs, and I can show it that when they take that stuff out of their diet, they get healthier no matter how old they are. Yeah. I got on a little rant there. No, and I mean, I think that's good to say. I think that, um, you know, a couple of uh, points that I want to make, um, you know, my, my point with the uh, with the treats and stuff is that I know a lot of people look at that as, you know, you're doing them harm um, by, you know, not making them feel loved in the moment and giving them a treat for something. We a, give a them, hug makes them feel way more loved. Right, and, and, and quality time with us, you know, that's the kind of stuff that we um, give as rewards. Um, I mean, they have a lot of quality time with us anyway, but you know what I mean. Um, and the way I look at it is, okay, what is best for them long term, right? Because I'm not just raising a two-year-old. I'm raising a two-year-old that is hopefully going to be a productive man. So what will help him in the long term? And a lot of these decisions, and again, not to be shaming, a lot of these decisions are made not because it's what is best for the kid overall. It's what is easiest on the parent. Yep. Convenience for the parent. And um, and I always ask myself, okay, am I doing this because it's what's best for the child or is I doing it because it's what's best for me right now? You know, I, my motto and TJ and I have talked about this is do what's right, not what's easy. Because I feel like as parents, we are, you know, hit with that choice so many times every single day. Like yeah. what is, um, what is the best thing for my kid and what is the easiest thing? And a lot of times, I mean, <laughs> I think it's extremely rare that those two things are going to be the same answer um, because it just doesn't happen. And I also, the other point I wanted to make before I forget this um, is the fact that I totally get those of you listening to us right now that it is sometimes only on one parent and that's going to make it more difficult yeah, again we're sure. giving you what we're able to do but we're able to do that because we've got two parents who are 100 percent on the same page and completely dedicated you know i always say the same thing when it comes to um you know nursing children you know i have breastfed you know both of our kids but there were struggles at times when um, you know, I was working again. We, we both have extremely demanding work schedules, but TJ and I were both 100% on board that if I did not get at least a minimum amount of adequate sleep, my milk supply would die, you know, would go down. And so there were times when he would take the night feedings. I mean, I'd still have to get up and pump, but he would take them just because we knew we had to maintain milk supply. I get basically for for a couple of years there I got no sleep. I mean, you did help <laughs> out a lot and I just want to say that to mothers who don't have that kind of support. Like cuz I think yeah. there's so many it is so we do have a slightly different situation. I think that we all still have choices to make to an extent. And we've even we even said to ourselves in the moment, can can you imagine doing this with just one parent? Oh, I I mean so many times with our kids have we said like I mean, I don't know how single parents do it. And I say that, too, because with the meal prepping, you know, normally it's TJ doing the meal prepping. I help with some of it. But normally then I have the kids. What do parents do that are on their own? I mean, and but then I think you have to make the decision. You know, we try to limit, you know, screen time. We don't let them watch TV. Well, okay, 
um, but I probably would let them watch TV if it was that or not meal prep. I mean, we all have to make those decisions of what you think is best for you, but I do want to make the point that, like, I get it that we may be in a different circumstance than some of you who yep. are watching, who are listening to this. Yep, Compl and completely understand that, and we, 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 we feel for, for that struggle. But for I sure. feel like a lot of people are like, okay, what is my goal, though? Like, you know, everything being perfect, what I'm even reaching for, because a lot of people don't even know that. And then how do you ever get there? So that's kind of what we're trying to say is this is what we do. Um, you know, you as the parent make the accommodations where you need to, you know, make the sacrifices when you need to make the decisions that, OK, that's just not going to happen. Um, and that's fine. You know, we don't ever go through fast food. Do I understand that some people, you know, get into a position where they're like, that's my only option to feed my kid right now because I have whatever circumstances are going on. Um, well, then we all have to make those parenting decisions in the moment. But, um, right. you know, we just are in a different boat because we have the support. I also think it's important that um, I say we've never have, you know, we are really tight on those boundaries because once you give a little with a kid, that becomes like if we let him have chicken nuggets and mac and cheese and it wasn't a special occasion, it was just because I was tired. Well, then that now becomes an option. It's harder to come back from it than it is to <laughs> give some leeway. There's a perfect example of this. And we, we didn't even get to in this segment. We didn't even get to what we were going to. So we'll Sorry. come back after the next <laughs> I just one. Kind that, of that's OK. Started talking. So one of the one of the great examples of this, if you don't think that, you know, giving into your children your children that one time will not set a new standard just look at the number of parents that have had issues with their kid losing their mind in a store when they go buy something because one time the parent was like the kid asked can i have this the parent says yes the next time the kids come into that store they ask can i have that the parent says no and the kid loses their mind and has a meltdown because now it was an option it, that they might get a toy or they might get a candy or whatever it is. Whatever it is. In that store. And, and the parent, and you know, I feel so bad for those parents at the time because, you know, the parents are like, oh, my gosh, you know, all this, you know, people are looking at me. They're looking at my kid. But th this is this is part of the reason. And I'm not saying that my kid hasn't melted down in a store, like, because, well, actually, my kid hasn't melted down, melted down in a store yet. But. It'll happen. <laughs> well, I mean, I was just thinking because, you know. Because he hasn't really been to a store. We've but. been to quarantine. You know, we've been in quarantine for a long time. And, you know, I mean, there's just uh, a lot of that is we just haven't taken them to um, to stores. He and goes so, to the grocery store with me. And again, that's about it. a lot of that, you know, totally get that not everybody has the ability to just send one parent um, and the other one watch the kid. Right. So I, I understand Com Completely that. understand. And so, you know, we get the struggles, um, but that's that's where a lot of that comes from is, you know, the giving in once. I mean, kids are kids are determined and headstrong and uh, way more than, you know, I think people give them credit yeah. for. It's so and they remember hard to so much. come back and they're they're creatures of routine. So if that becomes an option, then that's what they want their routine to be. Um, you know, they they want that toy when they go to the store. They want, you know, chicken nuggets for dinner because you let them have it the other night for no reason all right we got to take another break when we come back that was the longest teaser ever we'll actually talk about some things that we don't give our kids and then we'll talk about some strategies that you can use to implement to if you if your children don't have the healthiest eating habits currently the things that you can do to help move them in the right direction um, you're listening to wellness 101 
Yeah, welcome back to the show, everyone. Um, today we've been talking about kids, what they eat, what they should and shouldn't be eating. We talked about you know our kids, what we feed our kids, um, mainly because the, the the beginning of the show we talked about the obesity rate in children. Um, this is something that we answer a lot of questions regarding. Even when people, when adults come into the office for themselves, they ask questions about what my kids eat and and you know how they can help their kids as well. Um, so before the last segment, we, I said that we were going to talk about some things that we don't give our kids. And then we kind of got off on a tangent in the, in the last segment, but the, there's some big things that we don't give our kids. One of them is dairy, at least cow's milk derived dairy. We don't give them anything cow's milk. Um, people always ask lots of questions around that. Um, cow's milk is just... Humans don't do a very good do- job of digesting it. Um, it's really not that good for us. I always get the question, well, how do they get their calcium? They get their calcium the same place the cows do from plants. We feed our kids lots of vegetables that are much higher in calcium than than milk is. Now, we do give our kids camel milk. Camel milk is extremely close in molecular um, structure, size, shape to human breast milk. So, that's the dairy that our kids get is camel's milk. We order this stuff. It comes dried in a powder. We mix it. We make it. Our kids love it. Um, well, that's, Lincoln loves it. Yeah, Elle's Lincoln loves it. Elle's milk. still on breast milk, but she will have it. Um, yeah, she will. We will eventually transfer over. And I know there are people who are against camel's milk. I mean, there are certainly people, there's a thought out there um, that humans should not be consuming any other animal's milk. That's, again, a parenting decision. You know, our, we've come down on the side that, uh, you know, the research that we've looked at, we feel like the benefits outweigh, you know, any complications. And we haven't seen any outward complications from giving camel's milk. Um, but I do, um, you know, respect those who decide to go a different option. Just you need to make sure that you, they're getting the other nutrients they, they're missing in another animal's milk. Yeah. Um, another thing we don't give our kids is gluten. My son has been for his entire life 100% gluten free. Um, even and that's his something we do not um, waver. We do not waver on dairy. Um, we have made a few exceptions just because we don't want him to have an allergy, right? Yep. So there are times, um, and mostly, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that we've made an exception on. It's been um, a birthday. Yep. for um, birthday cake or something. And we know that they it wasn't dairy-free. We do uh, 100% gluten-free, like we said. We will not make um, any sort of exception. But um, I think there have been a couple of times and, where... You and know, it's gotten to the point in our in our families, in our respective families, Aaron's side, my side, like the, our families know. And if someone else is hosting an uh, something... Like there's a gluten free whatever it is for us or for the kids. Right. It or... took a while to get there, yeah. but it's funny. I always laugh. So last year at um, Christmas, one of my uncles was holding Lincoln, our son, and went to give him a cracker. And there were like three different people in the family that were like, <laughs> "No!" It's like slow motion. Everyone's just like, "And really, do I think that he's going to be like?" you know, have something major happen if he had a cracker? No. If it was that, if it was like anaphylactic shock, everyone in the family would have a hundred percent known. Right. But um but we there's no reason for him to have gluten and we know it's not good for him. It's more that. Um so it just it was kind of funny because yeah, people have learned in our family that they do not, you know, our kids don't have that. Another one is food dyes. Um uh, we don't give our kid food dyes. I mean it's it's really that simple. Um yeah. we pay attention to it. 
uh, I, I, we don't give our kid food dyes. Yeah. There's way too much research showing. And again, um, you know, TJ and I have talked about this a lot that, um, you know, the food dyes effect on the, um, you know, on the health of your kid is important. The effect of sugar on the kid's health is important, but also selfishly, I don't want to deal with a kid on food dyes. I don't want to deal with a kid on sugar. It affects their behavior and I don't have time for that. And I can I can attest to it affects their behavior because I can't tell you how many people have come into the clinic and either for themselves or for their children. And I, I have the same conversation. If I'm helping them, I give them the same speech. It affects adults. Food dyes affect everyone. You know, gluten affects everyone. High amounts of sugar affect everyone. And when they change their kid's diet, literally the parents will come back and say, Holy cow, I did not understand how big of an impact this would have on my kid's behavior. My kid used to be nuts, and I didn't realize it because they're calm now. They sit and they talk with us. Well, and I think that, you know, how many times have people said to us, I don't understand how your kids are so well behaved. And to that, I say, first of all, they're still kids. Like, they right. still have their moments. It doesn't matter what you feed them. They're still going to test boundaries at times. I mean, they are not, you know, I mean, if you saw them being perfect kids, well, then you saw a snapshot. And I'm glad right. that it went that way for me, but it may have gone the opposite way the next time. So, right. but I also think we do get, um, you know, a pretty good portion of the time that they are really good kids because their bodies aren't fighting against them because oh. they're not working on, you know, stuff their body shouldn't be having. You know what? I'm going to I'm gonna bring this up. It's a little gross, but it's also oh, important. Great. Yeah. She's like, oh, boy. Um, so <laughs> another this was definitely not something that we had talked this about This is definitely <laughs> not on the list. Um, another thing that, that I have noticed is we've had, you know, various people have watched our kids. We're, we're not these helicopter parents that, I mean... If we have somebody that can watch the kids, we they watch the kids, we do what we've got to do. And I can't tell you, several of them have said, what do you, wh- why, what's the deal? And we're like, what do you mean? Like, your, your kids poop when I change their diapers doesn't smell or barely smells. And this is not just, we have a couple of people outside the family, but this is also family members that have watched our right. kids, which and- is most of the people. But not only that... Yeah, the two things that think about it that are always brought up is they poop more than any other kids. Yeah, like our our daughter will poop eight times a day. Yeah, sometimes ten. Yeah, and not I mean that's not normal. Normally it's about six, but um, but still that's a lot. Yeah. I mean it is. It's um, you know she she definitely has her times though. But um, yeah, that's the those are the two things. They poop a lot, and it doesn't smell when I change them. Yeah. Um, and, and so and all we say is look this this has to do with what we feed our kid. When we started feeding our kids certain things, like... Their guts aren't messed up. Their guts are healthy. We yeah. make sure that they're getting the things that they need. I mean, our, my, my son, Lincoln, eats sauerkraut and pickles. Very strong. And tofu. And uh, these... Organic. Organic. Make sure it's organic. And, and these things, they, these, these are foods that provide and help promote healthy gut bacteria. Like, this is, this is critical to having an overall healthy kid. And this is, I mean, these are just things that we, things that we do. And it's little side notes that we notice. And I, I bring that up because while I was talking about patients talking about how their kids' behavior changed, they also talk about how their kids' bowel habits have changed. 
Right. Oh, and one thing I wanted to, I know that we are getting close and running out of time. One thing I wanted to make sure that we made a point of is we do not be scared of spices. Oh, you know, people spices, are like, how do yes. you get them to eat fruits and our vegetables and meat, especially are two big ones. Um, they need flavor. Kids, you know, our kids at least are huge on big flavors. And, and don't be afraid, not just spices, don't be afraid of spicy. You've got to test it. you got to see if you're, what your kid will like. My, my son tried some, some spicy things that I have and, you know, a while ago and he didn't like it. But now, like, he now is eating jalapenos. He's two and a half and he's eating jalapenos. And people are like, what, what in the world? How's your kid? I'm like, I, I don't know. He likes it. I give it to him. Like I'm it's not, not bad for him. It's yeah. not bad for him. And so anyway, spices are huge. Organic spices load them up. Nobody wants bland food. Right? right. I right. mean, yeah, same no with one. adults. Okay, that's about all the time we have for today. I hope you've enjoyed the show. If you would like more information, please visit our website uh inhstl.com. Um follow our Instagram and 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 Facebook at @inhstl. Call us, 314-293-8123. Shoot us an email. I, I love hearing from you. I love responding to you. We get lots of, of questions and things, and we, you know, we're here to help. For Aaron, I'm Dr. TJ. This has been Wellness 101. Thanks for listening. I wish I